thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Hey, everyone. Um, I wonder if someone asked you this question. Um, Hey, what do you want first? I've got the good news and I've got the bad news. What do you want first? I wonder how you'd answer that. In fact, I want to encourage you and invite you, if you're watching this live, to put in the chat right now, which one, good or bad? Really easy type, four letters or three letters. Do you want the good news first or the bad news first? So go, good or bad? I'd be really interested to find out. You know, I don't know about you, but this last 12 months that we've been in as a planet, really, haven't we been swamped by news? We've been glued to our TV sets for breaking news. We've been inundated with bad news. We're desperately trying to work out if this is fake news or if this is real news. Well, we have got news for you. And over the next four or five weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to unpack this whole theme of good news. And today we're looking at this question, is there good news after this? And I'll explain what I mean by after this in a little moment. But you know, some of this is inspired in me by this guy here, John Krasinski. And uh, John Krasinski is a famous actor. Some of you will remember him from The uh, the Office. And he's, he's also Jack Ryan, if you've ever watched that series. That's a great series on Amazon Prime. Shouldn't really do that. There are other platforms available. But in lockdown at the start of last year, he asked his daughter to write and to draw, to colour in these three letters, SGN, which stands for some good news. And what he did is that basically this whole little show that he ran from his house that went out on YouTube went viral. Because in all of the bad news that we've all had to grapple with and deal with this past 12 months, he was just churning out good news stories and putting a smile on people's face. And do you know what? In this last year, in this last 12 months, there's been some incredible good news that you don't know anything about. And I want to share some of that with you. This is going to be really meaningful to some of you. Okay? In this past 12 months, IKEA have published their recipe for their meatballs. That's so exciting for some of you. To others of you, you don't have a clue. You're not interested. But let me give you some proper good news. A study has revealed that more than 50% of us have grown closer to our neighbours during the past year. That's incredible. Renewables had a record year. More people than ever have had access to electricity. Dublin has become the first capital city on the planet with a world zero emissions postal service. Africa is now finally free from wild polio. There have been huge efforts to improve diversity. There's been a host of animal baby booms on our planet. In fact, in our own church. We won't go there. We'll move on from that one. Beavers that were hunted into extinction over 400 years ago are now living in the wild in Devon. Deaths that are caused by terrorism have fallen for the fifth consecutive year. Malaria deaths are at their lowest ever in recorded history. Chris Nightchich became the first person with Down syndrome to complete an Ironman. And the coronavirus vaccine is the fastest developed vaccine in human history. 
guys, there is some incredible good news, even in all of the bad news that we're trying desperately to deal with. And you know, one of the things that I love is when I see people who are in bad news situations kind of have the attitude of trying to redeem or to bring something good out of that. A little bit like the Fiji rugby team who had to be quarantined for 14 days in a hotel in Australia. But instead of getting all grumpy about it, they all went on their balconies and sang a song of gratitude to the hotel staff for looking after them so well. And you know that the word good news literally means in the Bible, gospel. The Anglo-Saxon word God spell, where we get the idea of good story from. And I don't know what you think of when you hear the word gospel. In fact, if you're watching live, why don't you put it in the chat? What comes into your mind when you hear the word gospel? Maybe for some of you, it's this kind of character, the Billy Graham character, you know, preaching the gospel, Bible open, you know, authoritative, you know, this is what you think of when you think of the word gospel. Maybe for some of you, you think of this, like the Homer Simpson thing, you know, maybe, maybe those people that are out there in the streets with the billboards on saying the end is near. And, you know, I don't want to be critical of them, but sometimes when I see people like that and I know what their heart is, but I don't know, but screaming judgment and the end of the world and hell, it doesn't feel like good news to me. It doesn't feel like the good news of the gospel that I want to share about. Or maybe you think of this, you know, the Black Gospel Choir and that music that so resonates with you and lifts your spirit. I don't know what you think of when you think of the word gospel, but there is so much more to it than anything you ever thought of or imagined. Let's go to the Bible, Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Just one verse we're going to look at at the moment. And it says this, after this, after this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and the 12 were with him. Now, when you read the Bible, okay, and for those of you who are not yet followers of Jesus, uh, don't switch off here, okay, because there's some really relevant stuff for you. Those of you who are, maybe you're new to the whole Christian faith thing. I want to open something up to you. You know, you can read the Bible like I've just done then and that's great. But there's other ways to look at it as well. And there's something called the interlinear Bible. And you can just go on Google these days. Okay, it's so much easier than it used to be, trust me. And basically the interlinear Bible looks a little bit like this. And you see what you have on the interlinear Bible, okay, is you have Luke 8 verse 1. So you have the words in English, but you also have the words in their original language, in this case, in Greek. This is what Luke writes because Luke is writing to a basically a Greek or a, or a Gentile audience, a non-Jewish audience. And what happens is that when you look at that, you can pick out certain words. So we've ringed this word, euangelis ominous. That's a big word which I've been practising. Euangelis ominous. That's the word, okay, that we get proclaiming the good news. With me? Now, when you go above, there's a number, 2097. That's a number in the Strong's Concordance, which gives you the original meaning. Now, here's the great thing. All right, back in the day when I was learning all this stuff, I had to get a great big book out, okay? You don't have to do that. If you go on the Interlinear Bible, on Bible Hub or anything like that, you can click on 2097. It will take you straight to the definition of this word, euangelis ominous, proclaiming the good news. But here's the thing. 
When you draw out of that the word good news, that's 2098 in the Strong's Concordance, you get the definition. Good, the, the euang, good news is literally called euangelion. Euangelion is the Greek word for good news. Now you might think, what on earth is, I mean, how is my life changed by all that fancy stuff? It's not. But when you understand the historical context of some of these words and some of these ideas, everything can change. Now, here's the thing. The word gospel, euangelion, okay, is not a Bible derivative word. It doesn't originate in the Bible first. It goes way back in history. Track with me just for a moment, okay? I love history. Some of you are bored even now. I can feel it through the screen. I love history. But Alexander the Great, he was the first one who really took the euangelion, the good news. And it's a declaration of the kingdom of Greece has arrived. And the Greek worldview, we call it the Hellenistic worldview, which is built on four pillars, education, healthcare, the arts and entertainment. And Alexander the Great says, I'm the king, this is the kingdom, this is the new way, this is the story that you're to live your life under. It's the euangelion, it's the gospel of the king and the kingdom of Greece. And then Rome came along and they had a euangelion because they had emperors who thought they were way more than emperors, by the way, and we'll get onto that in a minute. And they had a gospel, they had a euangelion, they had a story, they had their version of good news. And when they showed up, they also had something called Pax Romana, which means the peace of Rome. And you see, it's so incredible because um, a new Caesar who called himself Lord arrives and would declare his euangelion. They had things like advents, no, we know Advent, the Roman emperors had Advent, it means arrival. They had Perusias, which means the second arrival. The birth of Jesus occurs under the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus. His name originally was Octavius. And he was the adopted son of Julius Caesar, who was declared to be a god. And so when, Octavius, when Julius Caesar was assassinated, Octavius became emperor. He became known as Caesar Augustus. He declared himself the son of a god. The son of a God declares a census and everyone in the Roman Empire travels to their place where they were born and the son of a God who has a Pax Romana, who has a euangelion, who has a declaration of the good news of Rome, he puts the census out and then uh, Mary and Joseph go to, to, Nazareth, uh, to Bethlehem and there the son of God is born. And I want you to hear this, guys, because you need to know that the first hearers of when Jesus said, here's the good news of the kingdom, they didn't look at each other and say, what's he on about? What's good news mean? They knew, they said, oh, hang on a minute. He's declaring a euangelion. He's declaring a new gospel. He's declaring a new story. But Rome has got a euangelion. Greece had a euangelion. Jesus is now declaring a new story. It's the gospel. It's good news. And I want you to know, this is the announcement of a new way. This is the announcement of a better way. This is subversive. It's a threat to the current existing story. But I want you to know, the aim of this series, guys, is twofold. Firstly, if you are a Jesus follower, it's been a tough year, hasn't it? It still is a tough year. We still got bad news, but we want to inspire you in these next few weeks leading up to Easter to remind you again or to show you the breadth and the depth 
and the richness of the gospel, the good news story of Jesus and the kingdom of God. We want to inspire you so you get to share it with your world, especially at Easter time. But if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, we want to invite you to track with us over these next few weeks. We're going to look at the reality of bad news, but we're also going to look at the gospel of good news in that context. It is so, so inspiring. And you know, Luke chapter 8, verse 1 starts with these two words, after this, after this. Well, after what? Well, after Luke chapter 7. And if you read in Luke chapter 7, there are four stories that show something of the range of, of the human story. And there's so much bad news. There's the story of the centurion who's got all of the power and control but he realises that he can't control everything. He can't control life and death and his servant is sick and he sends for Jesus. And then there's the story of the, the widow whose only son dies. And we're going to look at that story a little bit this morning. But then the third story is the story of John the Baptist, who's the cousin of Jesus, who's in prison, who's, who's, who's despondent and who's struggling with doubts and questions. And, and, and he sends a message to Jesus through his disciples. And he says, hey, ask Jesus this, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? This is someone who loved Jesus. This is someone who got the good news of the, the euangelion of God and yet he's in a prison, he's in lockdown and he's beginning to doubt. And then the fourth story in Luke 7 is this woman and the Bible paints this picture where she's lived a very colourful life and she shows up at the house of religious leaders and, 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 and she does something which is so embarrassing but she doesn't care a jot because the shame that she's carried the whole of her life is about to be taken away. That's good news. And after these four stories of bad news, Jesus interacts in all of these four stories. Then in Acts chapter, and um, Luke chapter, Luke 8 verse 1, um, Luke says, after this, Jesus went around proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And I want to say this, it doesn't matter what has happened in your story. It doesn't matter what's gone before. It doesn't matter what is happening right now. If Jesus is in your story, there's good news. There's good news after this. There's good news after this last year that we've been through as a planet. There's good news even after the fact that you've said goodbye to someone that you love. There's good news when Jesus is in your story. And what I want to do, guys, in just a few minutes that I've got left, is I want to pick out one of these stories from Luke 7. And it's the story of the widow of Nain. And this is such a powerful Beautiful story. And just go with me as we look at the Bible together. It says it in verse 11 and 12 of Luke 7. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother and she was a widow and a large crowd from the town was with her. At the gates of Nain, there's a collision of two crowds. The Bible says there that a large crowd came with Jesus and a large crowd came with this widow and her dead son. And these two crowds collide at the gates of Nain. And it's, to me, it's like, like it's a picture of a collision of two worldviews. It's like a collision of two euangelions, of two stories, of two uh, truths, if you like. On the one hand, there's, there's despair and defeat. On the other, there's promise and there's hope. And you know, I think that even in this season that we're in, 
You know, we can see this collision of these two worldviews. You know, the view that everything that happens is chance and, and there's no meaning to it. And, or this view that actually there is a God who even though, there, yes, there is bad news, is working His redemptive purpose out in humanity if we'll only join with Him in His better story. And you know, the widow's story is pretty awful because it seems over. You see, a widow in this culture... She's already right under it because she's a widow. Now she's lost her only son. Her future is ruined. Socially, relationally, economically, her future is over. Her story is over on the day that she buries her son. She's so poor that probably, probably, um, archaeologists and historians tell us that she will be burying her son in a vertical plot, not a horizontal plot, which means she'll be dropping him in feet first and then putting dirt over his head. This is a really grim story. How can there be any good news after this? Guys, I'm looking straight down a camera, but I'm saying I don't know who out there, either live or later, and you are watching this and your story feels desperate right now. And maybe you feel, yeah, how can there be any good news after this? After what I've gone through or after what I'm going through, maybe the breakup of your marriage, maybe the death of someone close to you, maybe the loss of your job. I don't know what it is. And you say to yourself, how can there be any good news after this? There really can when Jesus is in your story. You see, listen to what happens next. Verse 13, when the Lord saw her, it's beautiful, isn't it? His heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. He saw her. Two crowds, two crowds colliding. He saw her. And I love that. You know, when your story collapses, he sees you. Guys, today, Jesus sees you. He sees you. And then it says, his heart went out to her. You know, when, when, when you, I've heard so many sad things during this last year. So many sad things. Even during these last few weeks. And you know, often I want to say in a text or on the phone or whatever, hey, my heart goes out to you. But you know, when I say my heart goes out to you and I'm praying for you, that's a little bit bigger than that. And that phrase, his heart goes out to you, is really interesting because the word, that, the phrase that Luke uses is the same one used when that Samaritan saw the beaten man on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, the good Samaritan. It's the same phrase that's used um, in Luke 15 to describe what happens when the, the son returns to the father and the father runs towards his son. It's like, I see you. But it's more than that. I see you and my compassion is moving me towards you. My I'm not just, oh, I'm thinking about you. I'm actually going to do something. I'm going to pray for you. I'm gonna, there's something that's stirring in the heart of Jesus. He doesn't just see her. His heart goes out to her. And it literally means this like, before we verbalise our pain, Jesus sees it. Guys, right now, right now, before you even verbalise your pain today, Jesus sees you. Jesus knows it. He saw her, his heart went out to her. And then he spoke to her and he said, don't cry. Seems insensitive maybe on the day that she's about to bury her son. He's not saying don't be upset. He's saying this, listen, there may be a day and there will be a day. There's a day for a funeral for all of us, but it's not this day. He says, it's not this day. Don't cry. And here's the thing you see, God shows up most powerfully when we need Him most desperately. 
And my prayer as I'm as preparing for this is that maybe there's one person out there and you are desperate for God right now. Today is your day. God shows up most powerfully when we need Him most desperately. And then when we go back to the story, look at what happens. Then he went up and he touched the beer. And can I say that's not the beer that some of you are thinking about, okay? The beer is a very poor man's casket. In fact, it's just like a stretcher and the dead son is on the stretcher. In fact, when I was in India many years ago, I was in a village. This has just come to me right now. Uh, and we were, we were in this village and there was a, a procession, a funeral, and, and the body was exposed on a stretcher like that. And we literally saw the dead body walking all around the village. That's the scene here. Then Jesus went up and he touched the bier. They were carrying him on. That stretcher, they were carrying him on. And the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. I know some of you might have switched off and you might think, what is all this about? This is the first instance in the Scriptures where Jesus resurrects someone from the dead. And it's a powerful story. But you know, before we get to that bit, he went up and touched the body. He shouldn't do that. He's a rabbi. Rabbis don't touch dead bodies. But Jesus does what others say he shouldn't do in order to do what others say can't be done. Did you get that? He does what others say he shouldn't do in order to do what, what others say can't be done. And he touches this dead body and there's a miracle. And this lad, this young man, comes alive again. And notice this. It says, he sat up and began to talk. I love that. I mean, like, what did he say? Do you know what I mean? Like, what did he say? Did, did he get up and say, really hungry? Do you know what I mean? Like, anyone got a drink? Or did he look and say, who are you? Like, there's a big crowd. There's another big crowd. There's this rabbi standing. Like, what's going on? You know, I don't know what he said. But then I love the phrase right at the end of this little interaction where it says, Jesus gave him back to his mother. Jesus wants to give back what the enemy has taken from your life. I don't know what the enemy has taken from your life. I don't know what life and circumstances have taken from your life. But the good news is this. When Jesus shows up in your story, he wants to give back what the enemy and what circumstances and what life have taken from you. He loves to give back. And I don't know what that means to you as you're watching or listening to this, but I know it is good news. And you know, even this last season, this last 12 months that we've all been, and in two weeks time, I'll be speaking again next week, Andy's speaking, and the week after that, I'm going to be speaking. And that's the weekend that we will mark a year since lockdown. And we will mark that. And there's some grief in that. And there's some loss in that. And there's funerals in that. But in the middle of all of that, there is still some good news because God wants to restore what the enemy and what life have taken from us. And then look at the impact. They were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Here is the good news. The euangelion, even after this, there is good news. God has come to help his people. The euangelion of Greece won't do it. The euangelion, the Pax Romana of Rome won't do it. The emperor who thinks he's the son of a God won't do it. But this rabbi and his kingdom changes 
everything. Doesn't mean we get everything we want. Doesn't mean that he will replicate every miracle. It doesn't mean that there won't be funerals that we have to attend. There will be a funeral for this young guy at some point, but not today because Jesus has shown up. So what does it mean? What does it mean that there's good news even after this? Guys, let me just give you three big ideas just to kind of think about and hopefully absorb. And if you're a Christian, I hope this inspires you again. If not, I hope it invites you into a conversation. The first one is this. You may be out of options, but you are never out of hope. You may be out of options, but you are never out of hope. That's the good news. And maybe you're sat in your living room or wherever you're watching it and whenever and you look at your, your life and you look at your computer and you look at your bank balance and you look at everything and you think, I've got no options. Well, you might have no options, but you've got hope if Jesus is in your story. This is the good news. You know, the good news of Easter that we're going to celebrate in a few weeks' time is the good news that, that actually, even when they put Jesus in the grave and He's dead and buried on the third day, He rose again. So even if you feel out of option, because of Easter, you will never, ever be out of hope. You know, I know that life can throw curveballs at us. And you know, that 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 phone call or that, that message from the doctor or that, that news from your boss or that, that, that word that you, someone spoke to you, that phone call, that text. And there's something that comes at you. And I know that can happen. But listen, Easter tells us we also never know when He's going to move the stone. And just as life can put you in that cave, we never know when He's going to move the stone. You may be out of options, but you're never out of hope. Look at this verse in Hebrews 10 verse 23 from the Passion Translation. So now wrap your heart tightly, love this, around the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps His promises. Isn't that a great word? Maybe for you right now, could you do that? Wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within us. God always keeps His promises. Good news. Number two, your defeats don't have to be defining. Your defeats don't have to be defining. You know, if you look in, in Luke chapter 7, the centurion felt defeated. The widow of Nain felt defeated. The, the woman, you know, John the Baptist is in prison feeling defeated. Uh, the woman that um, uh, lived a colourful life, you know, <laughs> you know what that means. Uh, she felt defeated. She carried shame. But you know, your defeats don't have to define you. Maybe you feel defeated during this season. You know, maybe as a parent, you know, you've been homeschooling your parents and you are deeply grateful and rejoicing because tomorrow they are going back to school. Maybe you felt defeated as a parent. Maybe you felt defeated as a husband or a wife. Maybe you felt defeated as a boss or as an employee or as a leader. I know there's been many times these last 12 months when for me as a leader, I felt very defeated. Times when I've been in meetings, not knowing what to do, looking at everyone else who's, I kind of think maybe they're looking at me thinking you ought to know what to do and I don't. You know, at times when, when I've made decisions that I think, oh, was that the right decision? Other times when I think I don't know what the right decision, there's loads of times I've felt defeated, but my defeats don't have to define me. That is the good news. I love this. While there's breath in your lungs, there's still purpose in your life. Listen up. Lean in a little bit. While there's breath in your lungs, there's still purpose in your life. And the third thing about good news is this. Your pain can become your platform. 
Your pain can become your platform. I love the Fiji rugby team standing on the balcony in quarantine singing, singing. It's like good news. Like even if I'm locked up, I'm going to sing. And your pain can become a platform for the good news through your life as God restores. I love this quote from a guy called Louis Giglio. He says this, Your ministry is often found where you've been broken, but your testimony is found where you've been restored. Just hold that there for a minute on the screen. Your ministry is found where you've been broken, but your testimony is found where you've been restored. Last week I spoke on money. You can catch it on our YouTube channel if you want to, on wising up to money. I had lots of messages from that. One that touched me the most was one that came that said, this was a real issue for us and, and we were in debt and, and we, we, were, we, were, we were bound by this. But, but, and then the story goes, that, but, but we've been able to put the teaching into practice. We've now got out of debt. You know, we, we're living free. We, we want to be generous. We want to help other people who also find themselves in financial debt and struggle and imprisonment. And I love that because it reminds us that our pain can become our platform when we allow Jesus into the story. What you're going through right now can become a platform that God can use to impact other people's lives. You know, when you look at the world, guys, there is a lot of bad news. And you know, faith doesn't mean that we deny, but it does mean that we defy. Let me explain. We don't deny facts. We don't deny reality. But we defy the fact that actually that's not the only fact. That's not the only reality. So we embrace bad news, but we embrace it because we know that there is good news. There is good news of redemption. There is good news of a Jesus that can rock up to a town and say, do you know what? There will be funerals, but there's not a funeral for you today because good news is in town. And when I look at lives changed, transformed, restored by the power of Jesus. This is why I believe. So guys, what about you today? Right where you are, whenever, wherever you're watching this, whatever your circumstance, whatever your situation, whatever your story, there's good news. I want to invite you to invite Jesus into your story again. You know, God shows up most powerfully when we need Him most desperately. You know, I love that story where it says of the, of the woman that, that pushed through the crowd. Remember that? Another crowd story. And, and she, she had, a, had, a, had a sickness and, and it says that, that she touched Jesus. And Jesus stopped and He said, who touched me? And the disciples said, are you crazy? Like everyone touched you. Here's the reality. I think she said, no, no, no. Everyone else handled me, but only one person really touched me because it was the desperation that drew something out of me. And I don't know about you right now, but maybe like this widow, you think your story's over. And I want to invite you to ask Jesus to bring good news again into your story. And if that's you guys, we would love to pray for you. Maybe you don't yet know Jesus. Maybe you want to give your life to Him. Maybe you want to invite Him into your life today. We would love to pray for you. In fact, there's a link going to come on the chat in the, in the description right now in the chat. And if you want someone to pray for you, then just fill that in. But just before that, let me pray for you right now. Okay, and then we'll leave that link up. And if you want someone to kind of pray personally with you, then they'll do that. You just fill that in and then they will write back. We will pray for you. Guys, let me pray for you right now. If you need Jesus, wherever you are, whatever's going on, I want to invite you to invite Him in. I want to ask you, invite Him in. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I want to pray for every single person watching this whenever, wherever, whatever their story, may they know that there is a 
good news story called Jesus and He is alive and He is available and He is stepping into their story right now. God, I pray if there's anyone who's sick physically, that they would know Your healing power in Jesus' Name. Lord, I pray for those that are financially right up against it, they would know Your provision. For those that are relationally, emotionally, just torn apart right now. May they know Your restoration. May they know Your comfort. And may they know Your power and Your peace. In Jesus' Name, I pray. Amen. Guys, if we can pray for you, we'd love to do that. If you fill in one of these links, then we would do that. You know, if you want to take another step with us, you know, go to our website, um, you know, LCC Next, or you can text LCC Next Steps, your name to 60777. Maybe you want to find out more about the Christian faith. Maybe you want to join a connect group and find community. Maybe you want to find out how you can give and and be a part of this community of faith that we call church. We'd love to help you with that. Guys, we're going to finish right now with an amazing song. This song was so big for us last year, right in the middle of lockdown. And it was a song called The Story I'll Tell. In fact, it's kind of been our most kind of distributed song, really. It seemed to really resonate with people uh, all across the place. But you know, this story says that, you know, whatever this song says that whatever's going on, there's a better story that we're going to tell because Jesus is in our story. Guys, right after this song, Annie and Laura are going to be with us if you're watching live in the post-service hangout. Don't dash off right now, okay? There's some great stuff they're going to bring. In fact, there's a brand new reporter that Life Central have hired, okay? And he's going to bring some great news for you in the post-service. But before we do that, I want to encourage you to engage with Jesus with this song and remind yourself that, hey, there is good news in my story and the story that I'll tell even out of this bad news season, will be a story with good news in it because Jesus is in it. This is the story I'll tell.